Welcome to the Locked On Heat 2006 NBA Finals rewatch. We're going to go back to Game 5 today, an overtime thriller that saw Dwayne Wade establish himself as one of the all-time greats, even at that early age. Maybe it's a big statement, but we'll tell you why and hear from Coach Eric Spolstra. All of that and more coming up next. Terry puts it up. Won't go. Rebound Wade. The Miami Heat, they've done it. They win their first championship in franchise history. Congratulations, Miami Heat, 2006 NBA champions. But it was our time. I really believe that it was our time. One of the best feelings I ever had in my life, so I'm going to live it up. So we deserve it. All right, welcome to our sixth installment of the Locked On Heat 2006 NBA Finals rewatch. Thank you so much for subscribing on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We just rewatched Game 5, and there's a lot to get into uh, in what would end up being probably the signature game of the series. Uh, we're also going to hear from Eric Spolster later on. But David, I'm interested to hear how uh, you're going to set the stage for us here because this game was a little different than I remembered it. Yeah, if there was a theme to Game 5, it's a simple one. Desperation. With a series tied, two games apiece, both the Heat and Mavericks attacked the game knowing exactly what was at stake. A chance to continue building momentum for Miami or for Dallas to regain it before going back home for the last two games of the series. Head coach Avery Johnson tried changing things up to no avail, taking his team out of a downtown Miami hotel and taking him 30 minutes north to Fort Lauderdale. Too many distractions, Johnson explained. But the move felt like a man trying anything to get his team going. Making things more challenging, the Mavericks would be without their sixth man, Jerry Stackhouse, after a flagrant foul on Shaquille O'Neal in Game 4 resulted in a one-game suspension. Perhaps the pressure got to Dwayne Wade, too, at least at first. His shooting struggled early on, although he made his presence felt by drawing trips to the line seemingly at will. But his teammates, what some would label his supporting cast by this point, Rose to the challenge. Shaquille O'Neal with one last bounce in his step, grabbing every rebound he could, forcing opposing centers into foul trouble. James Posey was maniacal on defense everywhere at once, switching constantly or drawing charges at key moments. But the Mavericks wouldn't give up easily, led by Jason Terry and Josh Howard, closing out the second quarter on a 21-9 run that put Dallas up eight. Howard rolled his ankle and was diagnosed with a strained right hamstring at halftime, but still had 25 points in the game. Dallas was extra sharp despite missing Stackhouse, but as the third quarter drew to a close, ABC announcer Mike Breen called it Dwayne Wade time. The expectation that Wade would rise to the challenge despite shooting 3 of 15 up to that point. And Breen was right, as Wade hit one jumper and then another, followed by a posy three-pointer to cut the lead to one. The fourth quarter was Wade at his absolute best. He scored 17 points, 5 of 8 from the floor, and a perfect 7 of 7 from the line. No shot bigger than his final jumper to tie the game at 93, with just seconds left to send the game into overtime. In OT, Miami flashed their defensive chops, holding the match at just 25% shooting, and yet the Heat were still down one after a Nowitzki jumper, and the game and likely Miami season now in Wade's hand. He drew a foul with 1.9 seconds left, draining his first as icy as ever. Then a crucial mistake by Josh Howard, calling for a timeout in between free throws. Dallas's last of the game, whether Wade missed or made his second free throw, the Mavericks wouldn't be able to inbound the ball from their own half court. Chaos ensued as Mavs coaches challenged referees. Eventually, Wade calmly sank his second to seal the game, a closer if ever there ever was one. A Devin Harris jumper missed everything from half court, and Miami was going back to Dallas, a very different team, a better one for sure, and now just one game away from the unlikeliest of comebacks. Dwayne Wade, as soon as that 
Devin Harris, uh, half court, he falls to the court. Dwayne Wade just fist pumping in the face of it, right in the front of the cameras that are sort of swarming the court, of, uh, you know, once the buzzer sounds there. It was so triumphant. And that to me is the image, right? And there's so many things that we can get into with Dwayne Wade's performance there. I mean, you mentioned just <laughs> D Wade scoring 25 points over the final 18 and a half minutes after being down eight points in the, with a minute and a half to go in the third quarter. Scored 25 points from there on to seal the win. And I remember this being a legendary Dwayne Wade performance. And really it is, but I kind of went into it thinking it was more of a masterpiece than it was a legendary performance. And this was not a masterpiece. No, it wasn't. I, and I, I, it, was, it, was a little, it was a little dirty. It was a little kind of rough around the edges, this performance. It didn't start well with him. The jumper wasn't falling early on. Um, I know we'll get into sort of our flashbulb moment later on and sort of what established. Like, and there's one jumper that I want to single out uh, in particular, but... This was far from a masterpiece. This was sort of just, oh, he willed this one, right? And one of the things that I we talked about in game four, and my big takeaway was, hey, this is the first game where I thought Miami looked like, from buzzer to buzzer, the better team than Dallas. Yep. Not that that was their first win, but the first time where I felt like they were very much in control the entire game. Not the case in this game. Uh, I got the game chart here from NBA.com from back in 2006. If you're watching on YouTube, you could see it. And if you're just listening to the podcast, basically... The Mavericks led 80% of this game for the most part. (laughs) And and a lot of, and from probably 98% of that second half. And it didn't matter. It didn't Mm -hmm. matter. Dwayne Wade just muscled their way into this win. Uh, We actually had a really great opportunity to ask Eric Spolstra about this over the phone. Uh, And and just to sort of recall Eric Spolstra, of course, an assistant coach under Pat Riley on the bench during this game. Here's what he had to say. Just what do you remember about that that finals and, and maybe, you know, 16 years later, I guess now, how, how Dwayne Wade's performance aged? I mean, it's up there with uh, any of the all-time great performances uh, in a finals series uh, and in specific that led to a championship. I think looking back on it now that, you know, we've seen a, and been a part of a lot of great teams, what stands out the most to me uh, looking back on it was how young Dwayne was and, mm-hmm. and was uh, having an, hist- an historic performance. Uh, that usually happens with guys uh, in their physical, emotional, and mental prime of their careers, which usually is anywhere, somewhere in the ballpark of 30 years old where they've had enough requisite uh, experience, pain, uh, perspective, uh, um, gratification, uh, all the understanding the highs and lows, uh, understanding how to really uh, influence uh, others uh, to be able to achieve a, a bigger goal uh, where it's not just uh, about the, invis- the individual where you're trying to make your own mark, uh, which is natural for any young player coming through the league. Uh, but his um, I-, I guess his, his world-class uh, clutch performance it just belied his actual age and experience. As he's doing it, you just felt like he was a 10-year vet. Uh, and then when I'm looking back on it now, you just realize that 
that's so rare, you know, for a young player to, to have that kind of impact um, on a franchise and in the biggest moments on the biggest stage that this league can provide, uh, and to do it with uh, and to be able to uh, to produce. Uh, like he did, uh, I just think is incredibly remarkable. It's a great, it's a great excerpt from Eric Spolstra. Um, again, really happy that he was able to jump on the phone and talk about it. But, um, when he talks about Dwayne Wade being so young Mm -hmm. and, and, and being up for that moment, I just think about the fact that, like I said, the jumper just wasn't falling for basically three and a half quarters. It just wasn't going in. And yet he takes 25 free throws in that game. He realizes, hey, like this jumper is just not happening. I'm not able to get to the to the basket the way that I want to either because they're double teaming me, triple teaming me. They've got Devin Harris face guarding me half the game that I just can't get to my spots. But I'm just going to put my head down and just run into contact. And he ends up taking 25 free throws in that game. He says, nothing else is working. Let me just get to the line. I know we're going to talk about free throws for the rest of the show. It's going to be a common theme of it. But um, the fact that he decided to just to have that veteran savvy to know that all this stuff wasn't working and he's just going to get to the line more than ever he's going to pump fake more than he ever did he's going to he's going to just fake out the Mavericks defense more than he ever had and then at the end the the the, the free throws you talk about the end of overtime there uh in between the you know around the Josh Howard timeout the fact that he wanted those and then sank them despite all the madness that was happening to win the game it really does sort of reflect what Spo was saying Absolutely. Uh, I think it just also kind of underscores not just his youth in terms of his maturity in dealing with the clutch situation and the pressure of the moment and everything else, but also something that I've been kind of talking about is just in watching him, it's so clear that he's at a completely different level than everybody else on the floor in terms of just Mm -hmm. sheer athleticism. Like nobody can keep pace with him. And that's something that's really stood out to me is, you know, obviously – Years later, everybody, especially the Dallas side of things, complains about the egregious free throw calls and everything else like that. I didn't see anything that was egregious. Like, he's just bullying his way past everybody and yeah. drawing contact. At no point in time did I see flopping. This wasn't Harden-esque. Uh, this wasn't even like, – there were moments there where Devin Harris and, and Josh Howard kind of sold contact to a, a higher degree mm-hmm. than was necessary. But that wasn't Wade. He wasn't flopping. He was just – he was just – they couldn't keep their hands off of him in terms of just he just was everywhere all at once. He was just attacking them mercilessly, and they had no response for him. You could put Harris on him or Adrian Griffin; it didn't matter. You could put Howard or anybody bigger, and it's just he was going to find a way uh, to blow past them in order to get to the basket. And whether he was hitting his shots or not, he was still making an impact. But then, yes, eventually to find that stroke to to be able to hit those shots well, can in I, such clutch moments. Go ahead. The free throws point is a really good one too, because I'm with you. I, I'm watching these games that I'm waiting for, like the egregious flopping. The that 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 James Harden level baiting of the contact and it's not like that and look not every I I know that Dwayne Wade was a huge influence on people like James Harden and things like that where hey like I'm just gonna get to the line a bunch and I'm gonna accumulate a lot of points in that way Mm -hmm. but the way that Dwayne Wade did it didn't strike me as cheating the game and I remember talking to Steve Kerr about this uh it was more in regards to the uh baiting beyond the three-point line and trying to get those mm. three free throws. Remember, like, that was yeah. sort of a thing that was happening in the league a couple of years ago? Goran Dragic was a big yeah. beneficiary of it, yeah. He was very good at it. Talking to Steve Kerr about it, and one of the things he kept saying is, like, look, it just doesn't feel like basketball. It just feels like cheating the game. Right. In this instance, it didn't feel like cheating the game with Dwayne Wade. It felt like a strategic move, again, because for most of that game, the jumper wasn't falling. It's the NBA Finals. It's do or die. Use the word right. desperation. I thought it was a really good word. 
uh, to describe what was going on here. You do whatever you have to right. to win this game. And and here we Dwayne Wade had to get to the line 25 times and, and, and put his body on the line there. Yeah. Um, I've got some really interesting uh, trivia questions. We're going to save that here for after the break. But first, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. Back here with our 2006 NBA Finals rewatch. We heard from Eric Spolstra about Game 5. We are revisiting Game 5. Uh, we set the stage here. It's time to get into some trivia. And it's Let's do it. Pretty much all free throw related. All right. Um, which one do I want to start with? Okay. A little bit of a trick question here right. to start. I'm just giving you a warning. Okay. All right, here's the question. The Heat took 49 free throw attempts in this game. Mm. That's a lot. 49. Since then, how many teams have taken that many free throws in an NBA Finals game? Oh. Since 2006. Uh, just for at least one game during the NBA Finals at one point? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Uh, two? Zero. Nice. I knew Not it was a that. single one. So I was looking at this on StatMuse and just how rare it was. 49 is so many. It is. <laughs> it's, it's so many. But it's a um, confluence of like two of the best players that are able to draw fouls. Like we haven't seen this from. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. That and Shaquille O'Neal too. So oh, yeah. even at this point, like just getting fouled mercilessly by Jop. DJ Benga uh, making an appearance, you know, like yeah. uh, <laughs> like everybody was just fouling. Like he looked sh noticeably sharper than he had during the first four games of the series. Like he was impactful in game four, but I think in game five, it might have been his most explosive, if you can even call it that at that point in his yeah. career. But he was still able to just draw contact from already dunking late in a game, something we yeah. definitely hadn't seen. It looked like he had been slowed down by injury or age or a combination of both. Yeah. But he certainly had it dialed up for game five. Well, a lot of hack-a-shack in the fourth quarter in overtime, oh, yeah. too, obviously contributed to a lot of these free throws. I was going back and looking again uh, yeah. through the through the records here, and it had, like, <laughs> 50 and 60 free throws a game in the finals was pretty common yeah. uh, in the 50s and 60s. So that must have been, like, a really kind of sucky time to watch basketball. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, 49 had not been done. So that was a little bit of a trick. It was zero. All right, here's All another right. one. All right. Dwayne Wade attempted 250 free throws throughout the entire 2006 postseason. Hmm. Who is the only player to ever attempt more free throws in a postseason? In a postseason? Oh, ever. wow. Uh, I, I mean, O'Neal feels like an easy yep. answer, too. That's it. Is he it? got it. Okay. It's Shaq. He did it three times, including once with Orlando. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that the was the Achilles heel, right? He, he struggled from the free throw line. He was just two of 12. Overall. Yeah, I didn't look this up, but he probably has the most free throws missed in the playoffs. He has to, right? Like, that's – you don't have to look that up. Um, yeah, the shots are just, I mean, flat. Like, I mean, whatever it is, whether it's he's too strong or he just doesn't have the right angle or he's too big, whatever excuse <laughs> it, it he's got come the, up with over the years. It's just it got to the point where his wife couldn't watch. Right. His you saw that during the broadcast? His wife yeah, literally his couldn't watch him take the free throws. And um, yep. uh, I'm with you. It kind of looks like he's trying to miss. 
It's so bad. It's the only explanation I have is he he's really he doesn't want to. It's, it's branding. They're line drive shots at the rim. Like I it, mean, they're. Really... You might as well just be taking one hand and just <laughs> just throwing a dart at the backboard. You'd probably have a higher conversion rate. Um, bonus bonus trivia. Ready? Since right. 2006, only three other players have attempted at least 220 free throws in a single postseason run. Who are they? Ooh. Since 2006. Uh, Giannis. No. That's who I would have guessed too, but no. Uh, not LeBron. Yes, LeBron in really? 2000, 2012. Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, I don't know who. Uh, I can't think of a, 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 Allen Iverson. No, no, that's since two thousand six. That was before that. So no, I can't think of anybody else who was trying prowls at that rate. Dwight Howard. Really. Two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah in two thousand nine. And uh, and then this doesn't really count. I said since two thousand six. The wording was wrong. Dirk also that year. Oh, okay. uh, in 2005, 2006, Dirk was getting to the line a bunch. Yeah, he was. Um, all right, what was your turning point of the game? Uh, for me, it was that 7-0 run. Uh, you know, you can I, I debated because the fourth quarter, like they were still down, they still had to come up with something there. But at least the seventh, that 7-0 run didn't let things get out of hand. Like you could really easily point even to the Josh Howard uh, mistake there because it felt like it was a really significant one. Like Avery Johnson was really frustrated. Johnson's in the huddle in between free throw. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, Josh Howard's in the free in the huddle there, and he just looks despondent. Like he realized he just he might have yeah. cost his team there. Uh, so that was a, a significant point as well. But I just I felt like that 7-0 run was so big because it just again Wade's feeling it now. He's like hits those two back to back jumpers that were incredible. Yeah. And then a posy three pointer to cut the lead to one, and it was just enough energy for the crowd to feed off of going into the fourth and everything else. And I think that's really what propelled him to take that superhuman leap in the fourth quarter. Uh, that was my flashbulb moment. We can just go right into that. The, those back-to-back mid-range jumpers by Dwayne yeah. Wade. That was Big my flashbulb moment because um, it's not just the back-to-back mid-range jumpers, but then he, on the next possession following those two mid-range jumpers that he has just coming off of screens, yeah. has this crazy cross-court assist to James Posey yeah. um, for a three-pointer, and that uh, cut the lead to one with under a minute to go in the third quarter. And at that point... Or right before that point, Dwayne Wade had not been shooting well. No, he had everything has been was was clanking off back iron. He just he wasn't feeling it. It just didn't look like it was. Yeah, three of fifteen. It just it looked like we were just sort of going in for a ho hum Dwayne Wade performance and for what would have ended up being a loss in this game. And you know the broadcast kept mentioning this how it was basically just this overwhelming like eighteen out of twenty four teams that had won Game Five in a two two series had gone on to win this the final series. And so it kind of you feel like all right, whoever wins this, it's kind of their series to lose. Oh, for sure. And Dwayne Wade, this is why it's to me the flashbulb moment. This is the thing that the all-time greats can do. It could just not be your day, right? You could have woke up a little too late, maybe you just you were in too much traffic on the way down to the arena. Something's going on. You're not yeah. feeling it. Maybe your knees bothering you more than it was before. Whatever the reason was, and it just didn't. He just found a way to sort of conjure the feeling, just conjure a flow, conjure the touch back. And he just comes off of a screen, hits one 18-foot jumper. Very next possession, comes off a screen, hits another 18-foot jumper. And he was just like, you know what? I have it now. I'm feeling it now. And he just, it comes out of yeah. nowhere. And that's only something that I think the the real greats of the greats can do. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's so incredible to see this version of Dwayne. Like, I, I think a lot of Heat fans that, that started following the team back then, I think you've heard from a lot of fans. I think you even might be included in this. Like, you wouldn't be following Heat basketball if not for Dwayne Wade. And it's in moments like this where he became the greatest player in franchise history. And you kind of forget that because 
he took a backseat to LeBron even when he was still incredible. And, of course, he had moments following 2014 and those runs to the finals where he was yeah. fantastic and great. But nothing where it just – he was so dominant for this stretch. Like, that fourth quarter was as good a stretch as you saw from any one player. Like, I mean, you hear about Steph Curry going on these runs, and you've seen it time and time again. But that's where the three-pointer. It's a little different. And not to take away anything from that at all. Right. But it's just – it's not quite the same. Like, this is just I looked a combination. it up, Steph. Yeah. Steph has never scored more than 17 points in a fourth quarter. Dwayne Wade scored. D Wade scored 17 in the fourth quarter. That doesn't include overtime. The most Steph has done in 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 a fourth quarter was 17. LeBron too, by the way. LeBron yeah. too. 17. I mean, that's it's an incredible performance. But uh, yeah. you know, LeBron also. But then you're talking about LeBron who at six eight and two sixty plus, you know, a lot more dominant physically. Like sure. this is just Dwayne being faster than everybody out there. They kept talking about Devin Harris, the the young fella out there. You know, trying to match with Wade as far as speed is concerned, and he's just like he can't he can't respond. He can't get there quickly enough. Even the wily veteran Griffin just doesn't do it. And and the shots they're like, everything they could at him. I mean, yeah. Devin Harris, I thought actually did a pretty okay job face yeah, guarding sure. D Wade and 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 sort of preventing the 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 ball getting to D Wade for most of the game. But right. it's just great ones find a way to get it done. Yeah, he did. It Absolutely. sounds cliche. I know no, it does. You know, no, but, but that's exactly. But it's what we're talking about here. This is this is the moment. This is the game that transcends Dwayne into a whole other level because yes. the struggle is one thing. It's one half of really bad basketball, and then the recognition of saying, you know what, I still have an edge over everybody else, and I can still get this done. And that's exactly what happened next. It's like he just took over the game, which is what makes him a superstar. Yeah, that's why my takeaway wasn't like this was not a masterpiece. If anything, you know, the two previous games were masterpieces by Dwayne Wade. Yeah. They 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 looked prettier than this one. This one was yeah. not pretty at all, right? right? This was right. not the thriller album of of his NBA finals. This was just sort of a but but it was the one when it's tough is when you be like you said, that when it's really when the when the going's tough and it's just not working and you make it work anyway, right. that's what makes you a legend. This was Tom Brady coming back against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. It didn't look pretty. But at the end of the day, you just get the job done. Um, and it's something only the, the very few people can do. Uh, do we have enough time? Let's just do our bang and brown moment really quick. I cut up a, uh, I cut out a highlight from the broadcast here. Early right. in the game, I think it's the first quarter at this point, they're talking about how Pat Riley would cut up each of Dwayne yes. Wade's possess or have yes. Pat Riley wouldn't do it. I, but I love would, I you love would, Hubie's response. He's like, oh, uh, all right, let's we'll play it because I'm, I'm curious to, to, to hear what, right, uh, what you have to play. We spoke before about how Wade, uncomfortable with the Michael Jordan comparisons. It's nice to see Michael Jordan back in the NBA as now part owner of the Charlotte Bobcats, back where he belongs, Hubie. Well, it would be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, they have a terrific young ball club. Uh, Bernie Bickerstaff has done an excellent job. Unfortunately for that franchise this year, they had so many injuries to quality players. They played you tough, but they would eventually run out of gas. But there is an awful lot of talent there, and uh, it'll be an interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years. Let's go to Lisa Salters. Well, Mike, after every game, Pat Riley sends a DVD to Dwayne Wade's house of all of his touches from that game. Wade told me that he usually spends hours watching it, trying to get better, as he says, just trying to be a student of the game. I asked Pat Riley how long he's been doing it, and he said 
this year. He said, we've spent millions on our technical, technical equipment. We might as well use it. Like, you cut out the best part because that was my banger brown moment because then hubie's like oh well every franchise has this equipment nowadays right. it's like he totally downplayed it. like there's this great moment of like oh you, you picture yep. like the video coordinator hours of work getting this dvd ready for Dwayne so he could watch it pour over it and like everybody's talking about there you know lisa salter's reporting about this and then he was like yeah yeah it gets done to everybody that happens all the time <laughs> who cares yeah <laughs> it's Hilarious. I just I, I I like the Charlotte Bobcats thing because it just oh sort of God. dates this whole thing. Like Michael Jordan, yes. welcome back to the league. The Bobcats—they have a nice young team. It's interesting to see what'll happen. Yeah. Turns out nothing, nothing's going to happen for 16 years for Charlotte, other than a name <laughs> change and you get your jerseys back. Um, that's the only thing that happens. Bus City, but, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Michael Jordan turns out he stinks at owning an NBA team. Um, the other part that I liked was the fact that he sends a DVD to Dwayne Wade. Nowadays, obviously, like. It's oh. you don't even get an email. Like even if you if you were a player to get an email, that would be outdated, right? You just at this point you've got assistant coaches and scouting guys texting you highlights. Hey, I think you should do this or this or this. It's all on your phone, or they they send it right to your iPad and you're watching it. You know, on the road yeah. on your way to a game. Now, the, I, the just the idea that <laughs> Pat Riley would be like FedExing yeah. a DVD to Dwayne Wade's house. And then Dwayne Wade finding an, a DVD player to play it on seems outrageous. I, I hate the idea of like the, the poor intern who has to like print the label to fit onto the CD just right. You don't want to put it over the hole in the middle. You got to start over from scratch. Horrible. Right. And make sure your and handwriting's he, okay. Yeah. Or if you print game four on there accidentally and now it's game three instead. Oh, you yeah, have to go back all, and change it. Good times. Dwayne's all confused. Like we haven't played game four yet. How, how do you have this information? Um, it's the future. Right. Yeah. We'll get into a few more categories, including our big what if of game five coming up next here on Locked on Heat. All right, back here with Locked on Heat, continuing along with our rewatch of the 2006 NBA Finals. Game five, we already heard from Eric Spolster. We've talked a lot about free throws, Dwayne Wade, and the like. Let's get to our biggest what if from the game, David. What do you, this is the one that you requested. You requested to have this category, so I'm interested to see where you take this. Well, it's just I, I had totally forgotten uh, about the Stackhouse ejection, uh, the suspension, excuse me, and, yeah. and that it really, look, everybody stepped up, and you wonder who would have gotten those shots if Stackhouse had been out there. You know, maybe it, you don't rely on Nowitzki as much. Maybe he's, it takes a little pressure off Dirk where he can get his shot going from the, for the, for the field. Uh, Howard had to step up. Terry had a huge game with 35 points. So you wonder whether or not that that distribution of shots would have worked out the way it did. But Stackhouse had been so good, like I mean, very very good in the yeah. first two games of the series, uh, and completely out of it. You're like you know, obviously because of the the tech, the well the flagrant foul from Game Four. So if he had been out in the game, would they have won it? Would they have won it mm -hmm. a little bit more convincingly? Would they have been able? To, would Miami have been able to find a way to come back? And so that's to me a, a huge what if uh, that I'm sure a lot of Mavericks fans are pretty upset about. Marquise Daniels did a, night, a, a nice job filling yep. in, but he only he scored five points on two of three shots. He was not at that point in at, at his career. He was a little young, and he was not ready, I think, to be taking a bunch of shots in the NBA Finals as sort of a sub for a guy who was supposed to be playing, like you said, Stackhouse, who got a, uh, suspended for that game. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. You know, I, I found myself wondering sort of the same thing. You know, the way that Golden State Warriors fans will talk about Draymond Green's ejection oh, yeah. in 2016. Now, the Stackhouse thing is not nearly that level, right? Like Draymond was obviously one of uh, Golden State's best players, but in this series, Stackhouse was probably one of Dallas's three best players. And and okay. so, yeah, I think it's it's definitely fair. I mean, first of all, I don't think that getting sus the, the suspension, I don't think was all that 
debatable the way that the Draymond yeah. Green one was. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting what if. Mine was what if the Heat had gone small more often later in the game. They take like the whole hack a shack thing really did sort of derail yeah. their offense late in that fourth quarter, and yeah. and it was like two and two minutes and forty something seconds left I think in the game. And Pat Riley's like enough with this hack a shack thing. We got to get into some sort of offensive flow, and he yanks him from the game for yeah. about a minute and a half or so. And and immediately as soon as Dwayne as soon as Shaq comes out of the game, Dwayne Wade has no, they they go small. Udonis Haslam and Antoine Walker in the front court. They're spacing the floor a little bit, not to, to today's standards, but to the 2006 standards they were. And Dwayne Wade just gets right to the basket, two straight possessions, and all of a sudden Miami is back in an offensive flow. Yeah. And then it gets back to an under a minute left when the, the when the hacker rules don't really benefit the team doing the hacking, and so they bring Shaq back in and and. Whatever the, the Heat end up winning the game, but I just I couldn't help but think watching it, it was so obvious. And I know it's it's Monday morning quarterbacking here, and I yeah. have the benefit of 16 years of NBA history going going for me here. But it it was just so blatantly obvious that Dwayne Wade needed a little bit more space. Right. And I understand Shaq was the second best player on the team, and it, and it was Shaquille O'Neal. But yeah, they probably should have been playing way more minutes with Shaq off the floor and Dwayne Wade on the floor, staggering them a little bit more. And with no Zoe, just no center. Just to let D, like today, if you had a player like D Wade, you would be opening up the floor for him all the time. High screen and roll, a pick and pop style center, Spread get to out, the basket. Yeah. That's what you would be doing. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Pat Riley, too, for uh, recognizing that Gary Payton had it going. Like, this is the yeah. the importance of having a, a veteran. Like, they showed that the. the, the the graphic there at one point, I think in the fourth quarter, maybe it was overtime about most games played without a championship ring. And Carmelo, obviously, I think has that record still. But uh, Gary Payton, I think, was the third most at that point after having gone to the finals with the Seattle Supersonics, having played with the Celtics, the the Milwaukee Bucks for a stretch too, and of course the Lakers in the finals when they you know fell short to the Detroit Pistons. So. Uh, just never having been able to get it done. Uh, and another thing I didn't recognize either, I, I didn't remember this at all. This is something that uh, Peyton spoke about actually on the Draymond Green podcast at one point, that, talking about how he's the one who pleaded to Shaquille O'Neal to recognize that this was Dwayne's team and to defer to him at, at some point during the regular season, not just during the playoffs, but during the regular season. So that was... That was something. I guess Peyton had a lot more uh, veteran presence there just by virtue of, well, you're not going to shut him up, obviously, but he's going to have his opinions. He's going to let you know about him. But he backed up whatever opinions he might have had with strong play, especially late in the game. Where does this game rank in the series? I've got oh. a hot take here, but I'm going to let you go first. Oh, wow. I didn't realize this, this was hot takeable here, but yeah, it's the best game so far. Overtime thriller, big shots from both teams. Like, I mean, it's lost in the annals of history here, but Dirk had some big shots there, uh, you know, necessitating Dwayne to hit both of those free throws. Yeah. Dirk with that so, uh, patented one-legged fadeaway yeah, on the baseline yeah. there in, in overtime. It was a, a crazy shot. Yep. That was a crazy shot. It's probably the best shot of the series, like the best single shot yeah. of the series. Um, What's your hot take? It's not better than game three, the comeback. To me, the the, the whatever it was, the 13-point comeback, 15-point yeah, comeback I don't know. Was, was better. Um it wasn't as good as game four. Oh. To me, this that, was the third best game of the series. Wow. Uh, here's to me, I how, think this was both I, teams playing their best. Like, this was really, really good Dallas and really good Miami basketball, you know? Like, I mean, there were ugly stretches I, there early on, but the, the energy level was higher. The energy level was higher. It felt like this was a classic game five in a playoff series where both teams had settled in. They had made their adjustments, and it was just, okay, 
We know what you are. Yeah. You know what we are. Yeah. We're just going head to head. And for and, and from an intensity scale, I agree 100% with you. But this game was kind of boring. Like mm. it, it, There was so many, for most of the game, I would say 85% of the game, basically until the middle of the fourth quarter where stuff started going back and forth a little bit, yeah. it was just a lot of free throws, man. <laughs> it was just so many free throws. Not just, yeah. Miami took 49, but Dallas also took uh, 25, which is still a fair amount. It was just, it felt like every time I looked up, there were just somebody else was at the line. I was like, this game is kind of boring. I got to be honest, the end and the overtime and all that kind of stuff, this is why I said at the top of the show, this game was a little bit different than I remembered. I remember at the time watching this and, you know, edge of your seat, I can't believe this, instant classic, yeah. right? And and maybe it is, and I still believe it is a signature game in the series, but watching it, it was a little, it, I did not have as much fun watching the full <laughs> game as much as I did games three and game four. There was just a little bit more of a smoothness to those games than than this one where Miami took 49 free throws. I guess so. I, I could see that point. Uh, I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel the same way because I, I just think that the free throws were kind of like a, a needed break too because the intensity was so high throughout. Like the gameplay, right. where I think, was just better in this game than it had been at any point throughout the series. The Mark Cuban angry scale. We go from Ooh. 1 to 5. Last time it was at a 3.5, I yeah. believe. Where are we at now? I, I got to put him at a 4. A lot more animated out there on the sideline frustrated clearly uh not just kind of uh nervous about the the change of the yeah. game but like you know again like, i mean <laughs> to have the heat come back late in the game like this and to have those clutch shots he was so excited about dirk's shot and then to see it all fall through his fingers there i, I wish they had panned to him during the howard timeout uh you know that was a big yeah. mistake there i wonder how he responded to it you know whether he was trying to uh, <laughs> issue words of encouragement or if he's like oh you're on the trading block thanks a lot and uh <laughs> I'm he, curious uh, to hear how he responded. He woke up that morning choosing violence. He shows up to the arena wearing a Jerry Stackhouse jersey, right? And so in support um, of his guy because he's in a, support of his guy who was not who was suspended for that game. But uh, yeah, I I just uh, yeah it, I added it a four point three. Yeah, he was he, he hate every like there was a few times where they'd pan to him where D Wade was at the free throw line and he was clearly not happy about it, wondering why they were getting so many calls after the game. He actually tells ESPN, I couldn't care less about the timeout. That's not the issue. In oh. response to a question about uh, the the Howard yeah. timeout there at the end of overtime, he was upset about the free throw disparity. And this oh, is God. where that narrative starts to get that it, it's carry. The wind there in the sails of this narrative, this, that narrative comes from this game. And Mark Cuban to this day is still upset with the free throw disparity. Um, and it really did start in this game. So, yeah, well, I got it at a 4.3. Maybe they shouldn't initiate Hackett Shack then because, I mean, he, he went to the line 12 times. So it's it's not like – yeah, I know Dwayne got to the line a lot. But, I, I mean, again, yeah. I was I – was, we were watching this. And, again, maybe it's hindsight. At the moment, I didn't certainly think that uh, there was an egregious call or anything like that. But he was just clearly more physical and faster than everybody else, and that's yeah. why they were fouling him. So we'll see how it plays out in game six. Has Dwayne Wade achieved legendary status yet? It's our final category. I think so. It's an emphatic so. yes. It's emphatic? done. Emphatic? I, I, I'm still kind of He's like... there. I, I think legendary kind of connotes having accomplished something, and he's not there yet, but he still okay. like carried the team. He turned things around mid-game. Certainly a legendary individual performance, but now he's strung together a few of those, so we're starting to get there. I just don't know if, if, if for some reason, if he had gotten hurt after game five, would you still remember him as a legend? Mm. Probably not. But the fact that he was able to close out the series and, and accomplish what he did, 
to single-handedly take on the Dallas Mavericks and beat them at their own game. I think that's what kind of propelled them. That's but yes, starting to see it. I think by now we've already started to see the commentary too about Dwayne Wade time. Like the expectation is that Wade's going to put on a show. One of the bright young stars of our league, right. as Mike Breen said. Uh, so I, I think yeah. The Michael Jordan comparisons are incessant and and unending in this entire series. It's getting to the point where then the broadcast, having made so many of the comparisons are now a, th- a talking point for this broadcast now is how Dwayne Wade is sick of the comparisons. Yeah. And the broadcast starts discussing why Dwayne Wade is sick of the comparisons. I'm like, broadcast, you're the reason that you're making the comparisons here. Uh, so <laughs> it, it was kind of like a little vicious circle for them. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Like if he goes, if they go on and lose this series, do we remember Dwayne Wade in the same way? No, absolutely not. Uh, like I, is I Jimmy think- Butler after like the the bubble finals, like is and, and even the last playoff run is like he is he viewed as a legendary player? I, I think so. that performance is viewed as legendary. It, right, it's like the ultimate like martyr performance, and right. and I think that's probably where Dwayne Wade that's the same space he occupies if Miami loses this series. That's a good. Right. That's a really good comparison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But had Jimmy Butler gone on and won and beat L.A. Yeah. and they, for, like now he's yeah. on. Maybe not Dwayne Wade's level all time, but it, the performance is viewed similarly, I think, to the 2006 one. Um, yeah, I have it as a yes. I have it marked down as a yes. He's already done it. That's that was my answer coming in. But I think you've convinced me otherwise. I think we're if, if, if he's just right there. He is yeah. right there. It's legendary, but not as legendary as it's going to be. Yeah. Right. There's different scales of legends. Okay. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for our 2006 NBA Finals rewatch of Game Five. Game Six will be coming. Later next week. And so that's the last game of the series. Obviously, we know that. And it's be really fun to look back and see how we remember the finals, uh, the final final game of, of the 2006 finals uh, and how we remember this season overall. You can find our interview with Antoine Walker uh, about this season, about what he thinks about the current Miami Heat that is up on YouTube and in your podcast feed. If you're a Heat fan, you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, but we'll be back next week. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.